0: Welcome to a new episode of Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos and we did it season four. Uh, this is the finale. Thank you so much for sticking around and supporting the show. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in April 2024. And now that I finally embrace that, OK, I want to do a seasonal show. I find that so much more easier to actually produce this content. I also have Conexiones, my Spanish show, and I decided to go back to school. I'm getting my master's in computer science, which, funny enough, just because a lot of the material that I'm taking is, uh, is new stuff for me, I decided to take some of the bachelor courses beforehand. So it's, it's great because I actually have the time and space now to learn new stuff, and I'm very grateful for that every day. But in the meantime, while I'm focusing on school and uh, if you want to stay in touch and hear about what's going on, what other projects I'm working on, the easiest way to do that is sign up for my mailing list. I started to host bi-weekly networking events virtually over Zoom. And what we do is that we do speed networking. You probably have heard of speed dating, where you chat with a different person every five minutes or so. What I do is a uh, speed networking, and it's for professionals. And it's uh, what we do is that we do breakout rooms, and you chat with somebody new for 15 minutes. And it's not about dating. It's not about like romantic life. It's about doing informational interviews and finding out how do other people work, how do other people, what do other people do again, what challenges are they facing? It's about making friends, essentially. It's about growing your network. And uh, I've been doing it for the last six months or so, and it's been so rewarding. Uh, So usually what happens is that between 10 and 15 people show up, and I do a five minutes of a small presentation talking about icebreakers and some people are very introverted and they need a little bit of help when it comes to actually opening up and talking with strangers. So I, I provide that and uh, I randomly assign people in breakout rooms. And it's been happening now that because some of the people that show up to the event are, end up being the same people, that some friendships have uh, come out of these which is fantastic. I, I love it. Actually, my friend, a friend from California, she told me that she exchanged WhatsApps with, with somebody from Barcelona in Spain. And they became fast friends and they chat every week. So it's fantastic because it's a way of building community and just connecting with other folks, which is hey, what I'm about. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's a great way of uh, growing your professional network and doing it virtually so you don't have to drive somewhere and look for parking and actually it's in the convenience of your own house. And I find that a lot of people that are working remote now, they are actually being a bit more picky about how they split their time and about their social calendar. How how do how do they actually strategically pick, okay, how am I when am I gonna be out of the house? And then just some people are introverted and they're not used to uh, going to networking events. So I find that for those folks, if you make it easy for them to show up to the events, it's just a, a link over Zoom, people will show up. Now, when it comes to the this episode, and again, you can find out about the, the next event that I'm going to be hosting by signing up in, the, in my mailing list on the link below in the show notes. Or you can go to latinoswhotech.com and sign up there now the title of this episode i i know it's it sounds a little bit clickbaity but the reality is that yes i I actually had a six-figure job working remotely for a silicon valley company that i decided to leave for a variety of reasons And I know that for some people right now, and and, and I know there's a lot of people here that listen to the show that are in in Spain or Mexico or or all over the world, not only in the U.S. That sounds like sacrilege, saying that, oh, my gosh, you have a great job, fully remote, and you left it, and you were making that California money. And yeah, I did, because it was a very bad fit. It was a very bad fit. But I'll give you the 30 second pitch. So as if you know me, you, you probably know that um, I'm an electronics engineer and I started my career working at Intel, doing analog design and having this very technical role. I did a little bit of hardware validation as well. And uh, I actually switched over to the product marketing side of things. I was a product marketing manager focusing in sales enablement. What that is that you we have salespeople that are selling a technical product and they need content. They need tools to help them close deals. And this can be demos. This can be slide decks. This can be actual product sheets. This can be competitive analysis. And that's what I did. I I made content to help salespeople close deals. So I would also do a lot of training when it comes to external customers and external vendors and distributors and actually showing them the intel catalog and how do we compare to our competition and it was an extremely rewarding job what happened was that when the pandemic hit actually a lot of people in my division were laid off just because of redundancies and again the way the economy works so i had to leave and it's fine. I know it happens. It's just that with the timing, with the pandemic, it was a bit difficult actually to, again, we it was a pandemic. So everybody was figuring out how to work remote. The economy crashed, a lot of uncertainty in the air. So I was actually let go in February of 2020. Like I knew that I had to leave. I had like a they give you like a, this, like two month window, where you can either find another job internally, or you can just leave, and and they give you a severance package and all that, and it's amazing actually. Like it's actually really, yeah. Like a, it's a, and and now that I have some distance between what happened, I can tell you that you know again, I'm I'm very fortunate. That's how it happened. Because I actually found a new job three weeks later in in March 2020. And uh, great, it was a PMM job in San Francisco for this this company that, should I say the name even? I don't know. Anyhow, and I got a 15% bump in salary and all that. And I had a start date and then the lockdown started. And I got a very nice phone call saying that, "Hey Hugo, we decided to cancel this position because of the current world events." But yeah, <laughs> so great! I used all the tools that I had in my toolbox—you know, the, the networking and the interviewing skills and my my experience—and I landed a job in three weeks, and it was awesome. But pandemic happened, so we have this black swan event. And I decided to, okay, I'm going to take three months off and I'm going to see how this uh, pandemic thing evolves. And uh, you probably heard my episode about leaving California and all that. And what happened? I actually moved home to Florida. I happened to, to have a house here. It was a, a great way of actually just finding a lifeboat, if you will, while the pandemic happened. Then remote jobs started popping everywhere and I actually got a job at LinkedIn doing a remote, um, doing what I do, uh, sales enablement. So I was training salespeople, I was making content, I was actually doing a, a little bit of editing, some internal content, and it was fantastic. It was a contracting job, but still, it was fully remote and I was making six figures and all that and it was great. And, but as a contractor, you only, part of the rules that they have for these setups is that you can have a maximum of a one year contract, and then you need to actually either transition to be a full-time employee, or you need to take some time off before accepting another assignment inside the the same company. It has to do how the benefits are, are structured. And uh, I was trying to convert into a full-time employee because I love LinkedIn, love the product. I know it's, the, it's not the most innovative product out there, but the value is in the, the connections, in how many, the number of uh, millions and now billion of people that actually use the product. So, and just the mission of it aligns perfectly with my mission. So I wanted to stay there but the timing wasn't right. So a lot of the, the roles that I was actually applying to, they were being taken by people internally within the platform that, that already worked at LinkedIn. And that's fine. Yeah. You know That's how things happen sometimes. And so I started to look elsewhere, and I found this job at another company, full-time, permanent product marketing manager, and i was actually going to be doing what i love i was going to be making content for sales enablement i was actually going to be producing podcasts and video casts and things like that for them and again it was the money was great and it was fully remote so i was working at and i started there i was working in fully remote tech company making that California salary while living in Florida. It was fantastic. Or that's what I thought. <laughs> and and again, I, I, and I was there for, again, less than six months. Probably like, uh, memory is fuzzy now, but I think I was there for four months or something like that. It doesn't matter. What matters is that it was a bad call. And I wanted to make this episode about that, that sometimes you have opportunities that they look good on paper, and you think that you're doing your due diligence by talking with people and and getting the information from colleagues that work inside the company and Glassdoor and what have you. But there can be these uh, black swan events that come out of left field and you have to be ready for them. So essentially what happened is that I actually was... Uh, Bait and switch. Essentially, they hired me to do a job, A, B, and C. And my director for that, that, that division actually left within the first month. So that's a, that's not a red flag. That's like a red banner in the size of a football field. But they hired me to do A, B, and C. And the new director said, oh, actually, no. We want you to focus on F, G, and H, of course. A, B, and C, what have you. No, we don't do that here. So it's, uh, yeah, they have me doing something completely different on what I, that I, what I signed up for. And I get it. Some, you have to be flexible. But if they hire you to do something for 70% of your time, and then that turns out to be a below the line effort, again, just leave. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And the reality is that it was a very toxic environment. And I can tell you that when it comes to the way I work and remote work, and again, this was 2021, so the pandemic was still happening. We had, again, the vaccines were getting deployed and we had gotten vaccinated and all that. But still, the economy and just the, there was this heaviness in the air because of what had happened on January 6th and all that. So it wasn't, again, people were, as a society, we were struggling. We were experiencing these worldwide changes and adapting to the the new normal and what have you. And again, I know that I'm very fortunate and I'm very privileged in the sense that I can talk about this. And, uh, oh yeah, you got a crappy job, just do it. But the reality is that When you're working remote and you are coming out of this uh, pandemic, it's... uh, And again, like I was struggling with mental health issues. Like I was getting anxiety attacks because of how stressful the job was. There was like zero work-life balance in the company. They had this 996 mentality that people there work from nine to nine and six days a week. And at least the engineering teams do. And I thought that, okay, no, the marketing side, so this probably is not as bad. It is almost as bad as that. My manager actually, she... So, and this comes down to the due diligence side of things. So, I joined, and let's say that I joined, uh, I'm going to make up a date, uh, November 1st. She left in maternity leave, November 15th. (laughs) So, basically, like I did my... Almost uh, I finished the mandatory onboarding and then the second one on one that we had, she said, oh, by the way, I'm leaving next week for (laughs) maternity leave. uh, See you in six months. By the way, you own all of this now. Yeah, basically that that's the way things happen. And so I was reporting to a director and then that director happened to leave like a few weeks later, like uh, two or three weeks after Yeah, that wasn't what I signed up for. And again, how can you as a candidate, as an external candidate, how can you foresee these things? I think that you have to ask the right questions when people say and and being candid with people. Is there anything I should know? Is there if you were in my shoes, how would you go about onboarding for the next six months? Asking questions like that and actually seeing how people react. As far as the work-life balance thing, I actually like to ask people now that I know these things is, uh, Hey, when was the last vacation you took? Where did you go? And and yeah, like uh, there was like so many toxic things inside this job that were just taken for granted. And I think it was uh, a lot of the, the things... And compared to what I was doing at, at LinkedIn, like I missed LinkedIn every day because LinkedIn was much more. Again, like it was hectic at times, but it wasn't hectic all the time. Again, like um, with LinkedIn, it was more like a monthly cadence of trainings and things that we had to ship. But uh, at this place, it was just the whole time. I don't think I, I, I was able to, to relax I actually stopped podcasting because I was exhausted, and in the week in the weekends when I, w- I would wake up Saturday morning, I would actually the last thing that I wanted to do was to edit content or or do things like this. So it was it was a nightmare, and I'll tell you a couple stories about that. Yeah, so I have ADHD, and I I struggle very much with task initiation. So actually starting to do the damn thing, but once I start, once I have the momentum, nobody can stop me. So I remember that also things like interruptions and actually just things that rough my focus, they're my kryptonite, essentially. Like if I'm doing a task and I get pinged, so I actually, in purpose, what I do is like, I would turn off Slack just so I could focus, finish this piece of content, ship it, ask for feedback. Then I check my messages, catch up and stuff like that. That wasn't cool at this place. <laughs> like I remember cl- clearly um, being pinged and, hey, Hugo, we need to talk. So I look for you at 9 a.m. and I couldn't find you in the on the chat. And I said, oh, but you're in California. That's my noon. I'm having lunch. Okay, so I'm going to need you to be online just in case I need you. Red flag. And it sounds like a small thing, but again, when you joined the team five, six days ago, that's a huge red flag. None of these things actually showed up when I was doing my due diligence and asking questions about the, the role. I remember that when this uh, new director joined up, they actually mentioned uh, oh, yeah, we're going to have a, a big strategy meeting about the, the milestones for this quarter. And I'm going to do it at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time because <laughs> on a Friday. And OK, we'll go and then we'll find out the, the priorities for this quarter, because certainly the people are not a priority, but <laughs> let's look about the, the priorities of the product. And I remember being in this call with this director and like 45 more people that, that worked in the org and they said happy friday everybody how's everybody doing today in this beautiful friday and somebody in the call over zoom said that it's actually saturday here and then who said that oh my name is the australia office and this director said oh how nice i didn't know we had somebody from the australia office anyway so in q1 we're gonna hit this milestone (laughs) oh my gosh really (laughs) <laughs> Talk about being out of touch. Another, another, like I mentioned the interruptions and chats and all that. And I get it that it's a reality of working in, in, in tech. But usually people can optimize things like they didn't use Slack. They use this internal solution that, that they made. And they had these um, and I counted them. They had uh, 45 different channels that I was supposed to track and just oh yeah yeah just so you are aware of what's going on really (laughs) so there's not like a one inbox thing but also people still use email at the same time so you have to have your chat open your email and somehow also be creative and create stuff on demand but it has to be from FGH not from the ABC that we hire you to do so it was a very bad fit was a very bad fit. I was very miserable at this job. I mentioned that my mental health uh, took a toll because, uh, again, there were so many requests at all times that you didn't know what was important and what wasn't. And then my manager wasn't around. The person that hired me wasn't around. The person that I was reporting to in paper was also new. So they didn't know the company culture. And then people's calendars were always packed from end to end. So it was very hard to actually get one-on-one time with people. Lots of micromanaging. If you have ADHD or you believe that you have ADHD or what have you, do yourself a favor and do whatever you can to not work for somebody that's micromanaging. I remember... Once I actually they use Asana for tracking tasks and what have you, and I remember I I was scrolling through the Asana for the for for my stuff, and I marked something done accidentally, and I'm like, oh crap, and I clicked it again to mark it undone, the way that that it should be, and I I remember that <laughs> this this director pinging me hey, what do you mark this done? It's not done already. Show me your work. And I very calmly, and again, this is a chat. So you don't know if they're yelling or what have you. And very calmly, you just, oh, I'm sorry. I marked it by mistake. I unmarked it already. But that level that you're being watched and something about working remote is that I'm in my house. (laughs) So like this should be the safest place in the universe. But I'm struggling with the people that are showing me lack of trust and and lack of and just this this level of micromanaging that is is not something that I'm used to. I remember and again, I'm the new guy still. So I remember being doing some introductory one on ones with people in in the teams around me. And I remember actually uh, canceling a meeting. Because, okay, no, it's actually, I think it would be better if I meet with this person on Monday rather than late on a Friday. And uh, I sent them an invite and they accepted. And then (laughs) this director actually pinged me the next day, in the middle of the week. And pinged me the next day and said, hey, what did you cancel the meeting with? And okay, like, I, really, you're looking at my calendar and see who I'm meeting with? and you actually captured it somewhere that oh i need to follow up with ugo because uh, and he's talking he's pushing meetings back like no well, okay this is the wrong place for me so that's what i decided to leave and and enough with the horror stories but the key point that i want to leave you with is that when it comes to your job and whatever you do to your gainful employment or your own business, maybe you're a solopreneur, there's this idea of self-determination and this is particularly necessary for me and when it comes to actually being happy and feeling motivated and engaged in what I do, I need autonomy, so I need to have a sense of control over my time. Whenever there's this amazing book it's called uh, so Good they can't Ignore you and the title maybe is not the best title but uh, it's Cal Newport he's a computer scientist he's not a marketing guy and so he's a professor of computer science and he's a, an author in productivity and career development and he focused mostly in in students but now he's focusing more in people in remote workers and just uh, productivity in general knowledge workers. And uh, he, in that book, he talks about this, the idea of self, self-determination theory and how do you connect that motivation with that intrinsic passion and actually fuel your desire to do well at a job and actually be happy at a job. Uh, and there are three things. So it's autonomy. So that sense of control over your time that, hey, I don't need to talk to you, this person at 1 p.m., let me push it to 3 next Tuesday because I think it would work better for them and for me. Because right now, this other thing is more important. I knowing that my decision is going to be respected because I made the decision, I didn't make it lightly. I, I used my expertise to make this decision. So having that sense of control over your time, knowing that, hey, my job description is ABC and I need to ship ABC. Right now, this uh, DEF, it's below the line. So I will look at it if I have some more time today. But otherwise, that's going to wait till tomorrow. That's a tomorrow problem. So autonomy is, is the first thing. The second thing is competence. So feeling that you're good at your work. And the third thing is relatedness, so connecting with other folks in the process. And now that I have some distance between me leaving this uh, this job, and I now I can I know that I wasn't hitting any of these because autonomy, you heard my horror stories, was not there. Competence, again, I know I can do the job. But I'm also just starting out at the company. So that feeling that I'm good at my work, it wasn't really there. And relatedness comes down to, okay, I'm working remote. So it's that challenge of, okay, who else do I connect with? Who else do I connect with? Everybody's calendar is back to back. I have to check these 45 chats. (laughs) So... It's just like when it comes to these three pillars, I wasn't hitting any of them. Another point is that, at least for me, like I'm too much of an extrovert. And I think that working 100% remote for somebody else, that's not my idea of a fun time. I, I think that I haven't done it, but just from knowing my personality, I think that I would be better at a hybrid role where I can work from home three days a week and actually go to the office two days a week that I pick. Again, autonomy. That's an important part. And, and this is how you learn things. Sometimes you learn by looking at other people's mistakes, but sometimes it's your mistake and that's how you learn. But hey, it's all knowledge. It's all valuable. And talking about valuable, knowing your values. You know, and, and I've done all these. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a self-development junkie and, If you're listening to this podcast you probably are too you probably are very self-aware and actually care about these topics but knowing your values like in my case i you know i've done these exercises about what do i value and from all kinds of angles and uh, myers-briggs and all this and it comes down that my values and i have them right here it's learning autonomy convenience, kindness, and humor. Yes, humor. Humor can be a value. So learning, autonomy, convenience, kindness, humor. And just because um, that's my personality, I also like to add these uh, systems as a value. I value systems and just uh, having procedures and being organized with things. But yeah, but my top two are learning and autonomy. And yes, I was learning, I was learning that I didn't like this job, <laughs> but the autonomy wasn't there. Whenever you are between jobs, whenever you're looking for a next opportunity, actually look at it through, through the, the lens of your values. Again, how does this relate? Does this align? Does it not? And again, if you're living an intentional life, Great. You can actually, you are aware of these things. If you just need a job because you need a job, I get it. That's fine. Some Sometimes you have to do that. But know that that job has an expiration date. I'm going to do this until I fill in the blank. I hit a number or I finish a degree or get some other experience or till something else better shows up. But the thing is that, Take ownership of it, not till something else better shows up until I find something better for me that does align with my values. And, and again, because I'm, I'm very fortunate and I don't want this to rub people the wrong way, but. I mentioned that know your values. Find somewhere where you can hit your three pillars, autonomy, competence, relatedness. But the foremost most important thing is always be in a position to quit. Always be in a position to to leave. And this part is going to reek of privilege, but just having an emergency fund, whatever that may look like for you. For some people, they say that, oh yeah, always have a one-year cash somewhere. In my case, it was not only that, but also I have a paid off house that helped me (laughs) actually do this decision and just knowing that hey like I hit my fire number and I'm good till something better or till I find something better for me that and do I even want to do this (laughs) so I think that just being in a position and if you're just starting out your your career or again you have different circumstances in your life I find that, find something that gets you closer to this position. Maybe you don't have a one-year cash fund. How about a one-month fund? Can you do that? Yes, you can. What changes do you have to do in your everyday spending to do this? What decisions can you make to make you, to put you in a more powerful position to be able to quit a job when they ask you to do something that goes against your values. Maybe instead of buying a new car, maybe it's buying a used car and paying it off. Maybe it's uh, finding the most affordable one-bedroom condo somewhere in the country buying it free and clear or buying it and renting it out till you pay it off and just having it there in the back just in case, just in case. So when shit hits the fan, you have a place to live where you can actually go and can actually make your runway, your financial runway last longer. This is very U.S. centric, but figuring out your your health insurance, but people always ask about this. But but yeah, so in the U.S., all the insurance is private. So everybody has or not everybody has, but all of the health insurance plans are private. Like even if you get the Medicare, even if you get, um, sorry, if you get the, the Obamacare, you know, that that's actually you still have to pay for it depending on how much money you make, even though it's subsidized by the government. It's just the government giving money to private insurance companies. So it's not public in the sense that there's not an actual like U.S. government health facility. Yes, there's the VA, but that's for veterans only or family of veterans. The way that you get around that is that you can either pay the COBRA health insurance, which is very expensive because it's the plan that your employer used to pay, be without the, sub, uh, without the subsidies or you can get something called you can go to a, a private health insurance and you pay out of your own pocket so i personally i use this plan it's called uh, sidecar health and it works great for me it covers accidents hospitalizations surgeries any kind of things like that cancer knock on wood anything like that it will cover it and to me, it's really affordable. You know, like I pay $200 a month. And the parallel, but the thing is that I don't, I, that doesn't offer a, a GP or a primary doctor. So what I did to compensate for that is that I actually got a private doctor in my own. It's called a direct care provider. So think of uh, like a doctor as a service. So it's this doctor, I pay him a thousand dollars a year a year and uh he's available for me 24 7 and he's my gp so i have uh checkups with him he actually writes my prescriptions he helped me with my with my weight loss plan like i i lost like uh 27 pounds (laughs) so a few of you will notice so thank you for for the, the compliments so that's how I. That's what. I, that's how I do it. So I have my health insurance for emergencies, bigger things, and then I also have my my primary care doctor. And these primary care doctors are available in all fifty states. The and he's just a regular doctor. He's an M.D. It's just that he doesn't take any insurance because he doesn't want to deal with the paperwork, which is amazing because it's a capitalism beating capitalism (laughs) at its own game the healthcare industry it's bloated so a lot of these doctors they say no i don't wanna i just care about the patients and i care about practicing medicine so yeah i'm gonna set up this this my practice and do things this way yeah so it's it's 80 bucks a month what i pay for this doctor but he's twenty four seven available for me you have to find out something that works for you and this podcast is not only about the healthcare side of things think it's important just to be aware of that that everybody has problems everybody has problems before we we judge uh, people everybody's fighting their own struggle like in my case it was it was that i felt like i went from being 17 to having to be 30 in the span of a couple years when i lost my parents and Had to figure out my immigration status. I had to go back to Venezuela, get a student visa, figure out how to go to school, paying out-of-state tuition, all that stuff. Luckily, I won the diversity lottery. So I actually thank you, Bill Clinton, because he set up the program back in the 90s. So they give away a number of green cards every year for people that come from countries that don't have a, a lot of migrants coming in. And that's almost, that sounds ridiculous now, talking about Venezuela in 2023. But back in 2011, 2010, when I applied, that was the case. We actually qualified as a country. And I got it that way. And now I'm a U.S. citizen. And yeah, life takes turns. Life takes turns. And you don't control all of the turns. You control your attitude about them. And uh, I find that if you're just starting out and you want to build your ability to quit, to your ability to just have that fuck you money, that's what they say, you need to make some choices from the get-go. That's why I recommend the the Ramit Sethi book on uh, personal finance. I will teach you to be rich. I will leave that in the show notes, as well as this article from Mr. Money Mustache on Had to retire forever on a fixed chunk of money. And he gives you the the actual numbers on what you need to hit. But numbers are not going to help you unless you know how much do you spend? Which kind of lifestyle do you want to have? And it's easy for me to do that because I I already did the hard work. like I already did the the self-assessment, the self-analysis of what? I don't need a 3,000 square foot house. I don't want to have a huge yard. (laughs) I don't need five bedrooms. I'm happy with three. Now I have the bedroom and then each one of us has an office. So figuring out what does that look like to you? Some people, they actually do care about those things. They actually do care about having land and having a, a huge yard. Maybe that's you and that's fine. But you need to have a clear vision before you can execute to it. And you are the only one that can make that vision. And then the thing that I get after this is, uh, hey, but what if I pick the wrong vision, Hugo? What if I change my mind? You're allowed to change your mind. Again, you can make any choice you want, as long as you can live with the consequences. And that's why I think it's so exciting for people that are just, starting the starting to work in tech right now because you have so many choices and you have so much flexibility about what you want to do. People that are in their 30s and 40s and have a mortgage and a couple kids don't have as much flexibility as you do. I'm 21 and I don't know what to do. Great. That's the first problem you have. That's a great problem to have i figuring out experimentation and all that. And then if you happen to be listening to this, what I recommend for that is this course It's called What Color Is My Parachute? And it's a course that will walk you through different areas of your life and how, what does your ideal career look like? And it walks you through the people aspect, the workplace aspect, skills, knowledge, geography, salary, and purpose. And I find that all of them work together. Maybe you have a job that aligns with your purpose, or you use the knowledges you have, but the geography is not right. You know, maybe it's in a big city, you're more of a small city person, or maybe you have a job that hits you in the purpose, the knowledge, the geography, but the salary is not Right. So it's figuring out, in this season of life, what do I want to optimize for? Am I happy taking a job that hits the purpose and the salary? Not in the city I want, but guess what? While I'm saving and investing with the salary, I will plan my escape to the small town where I do want to live. So that's that's the message I want to leave you with. You're the captain of your own destiny and it's true. And so plan accordingly. So what's next for me? So I'm very grateful that I, I have achieved this financial freedom and I actually have the time and energy to actually focus on the things that I care about. So I I use twenty twenty three to reconnect with my purpose, you know, connect with others and help them grow. And I find that 2024 is gonna be more about experimenting with different ways of doing that. So in 2023, I started to host these meetups virtually and in person here in Orlando, Florida. I've been doing it monthly and it's been fantastic. We started with five people and we did uh, the one year anniversary event and it was 25 of us. So it's amazing, 5X. So it's about, I think 2024 is going to be about that, experimenting and finding out how do I want to actually execute on this. It took a lot of working. It took a lot of just introspection and actually thinking hard about this. But now that I've connected with this is what I want to experiment with. And I find that also I actually do love math and science and learning about technology. That's why I decided to, okay, I'm going to get a degree now because I have the time, I have the energy, and why not? <laughs> I'm going to be, what, 39 next year in September, turn 38, and hey, I'm going to be 39 anyways. So why not be 39 with a master's degree? And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to the show. It's been a pleasure this over these last 50 episodes And hopefully you will hear me next year in 2024 with uh, season five. And in the meantime, sign for the mailing list so you can find out about the meetups that we do and about projects that, that I'm releasing. And you can always find me on LinkedIn. Send me a message there and I'm happy to answer your questions. And that's what I got. Thank you so much.